0: A start on demand. On, on demand. Good morning, Greg Mackling.
1: Happy Friday to you, Brett McGrary. Happy Friday to everyone listening. Everyone in the building. I think we're all ready for a weekend. Is our first five-day work week of
0: 2018? Yeah, it's always a bit of a drag that first week back uh, before you get into the, the the typical before you get used to the the rat race, as it were. Yeah, it's always hard coming back. After the holidays, Jerry, how are you doing this morning, sir? I'm ready for the weekend. What is? I'm just looking up, but there's a a camera like immediately in front of me. Did you see this? Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a new camera that's oh. been that's perched about two feet from. Uh, or I guess three feet from my face, two that's, feet, from, or maybe even a foot from where my fi- I'm pointing at it right now. That, Who's that, watching
1: you? That's a little unnerving, actually.
0: Yeah, because hmm. there's, a, there's already a camera up on the wall. Which
1: we've, we'd already clearly forgot about. We yeah. were speaking with Adriana Jung yesterday morning, yep. and she said, well, I can see you guys, because we see her on the television we have, Global Morning, uh, on our television, and so we feel like we're hanging out with uh, Shannon and Adriana every morning. And she said, well, I can see you too. And that camera is always there. And I think they say when you're doing a reality TV show, they they say it takes about 72 hours for people to forget that the cameras are around. Uh, Clearly, we have forgotten that that camera is there a long time ago. But yeah, I just noticed (laughs) this camera right in front of me. I'm very observant today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Feel it is unnerving. Intensely self-conscious. This is why I got into radio, not television, <laughs> so
1: I didn't have to stick my face <laughs> in a camera. Now all of a sudden we have to shave in the morning. Hang and Hang on all a this second. crazy second. I'm stuff. just gonna But what do you do? You covering it up? Yeah. I think that's gonna... a good idea.
0: There, okay. That's like there. I feel very better. good. Much better. <laughs> 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 I, just, I just draped a newspaper over top of it. <laughs> Welcome uh, behind the scenes here.
2: Who's watching?
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs>
0: Rockwell is here to remind us that yeah. somebody's watching me. Yeah, Rockwell uh, and Michael Jackson.
1: Well, and uh, Judas Priest sang about the electric eye in the sky way back in 1983, right? So, I mean, this is this is something that we've been preparing for for decades. But when the cameras are everywhere. Uh, it's a little, it's a little different. And what about these Amazon and these different, uh, home voice activated controls, even Shaw, we have the, uh, the voice activated, that Sky TV or whatever they Blue call Sky it. Blue Sky TV. Blue Sky TV where you talk to, uh, to me, that's like, uh, the idea that anybody could be listening to you at any time. We know Anything can get hacked these days. I don't know if I want more microphones in my house.
3: If anyone's listening to me, they've already fallen asleep.
1: Yeah, fair, <laughs> enough. fair <laughs> enough. There's but nothing the
0: interesting whole... happening in my but living room. But is that
1: really the point, whether it's interesting or not? The fact that they can do it is a little bothersome, isn't it? If it bothers you, don't get one.
0: Well, and they can already do it anyway with your phone if they really wanted to, right? What? Well, yeah, with your cell phone, sure. Yeah,
3: they can turn the mic on anytime they want. Yeah, no, yeah. remotely. So,
1: I, I, was, I was trying to play dumb there. Uh, it's easy for me to do. I just, yeah, it's just omnipresent now. I, I wonder how many closed-circuit television cameras there are in Winnipeg. Not ones that are owned by the city, but like private security cameras. Uh, I know I've got two cameras on my house, on the outside of my house. Yep. So, you know, counting all those things, it's got to be in the tens of thousands by now.
0: Yeah, with all the dash cams that are out there, and uh, any maybe private security cameras that might be on a business or what have you, um, or never mind, just you never know when someone's got their cell phone out, taking pictures or video, so yeah. You know, a good chunk of your day, you may not
1: realize that you may be on camera far more often than you realized. Maybe you might not want to think about it.
0: Well, even in our own building, we've got uh, security cameras in every single hall. I often walk around with my metal fingers up just kind of to see if anybody happens to be paying attention.
1: Is that your your protest and giving it back to the man, (laughs) Brett? Are you giving it to the man? That's right. Fight the power that be. Man. Uh... Did you watch any television last night? I know you were here uh, recording the couch potatoes, but did you see any cable news last
0: night? I did not. I went home and watched an episode of Cardinal and uh, went to sleep.
1: Did you hear any of our overnights? I know we were, uh, you know, preparing for the show. Uh, There's a certain word that's become uh, probably the most search slash, I don't know, Twitter and Google and used on cable news and here on CJOB. I don't have to say the word. It's a word that the president used in an interview yesterday. And, uh, I was shocked at the, how quickly the cable news networks decided to use that word without bleeping it, uh, in any way, shape or form.
0: The interview that they that you referred to, you told me about an interview that they had on the air, which was quite powerful. And then Charles Adler replayed some of it this morning. I missed it. Jerry came in and said, I heard uh, a certain word on our radio station a whole bunch of times just after the 5 o'clock news, so I went back and listened to it. And indeed, the what the audio that I heard was quite powerful and uh, the, the passion, the anger that this man was sharing in relation and reaction to what the President of the United States had to say uh, as a way to describe other countries on this planet. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh
1: I don't know where the where the tipping point is going to be on this and, and language that is acceptable and not acceptable in our media. I, you know, I've sort of alluded to the fact that uh, I enjoy productions on, on cable television, on Netflix, on HBO and other platforms because of the honesty within the language and the language that's used to convey thoughts. But And so I'm okay with it. I just wonder if I'm in the minority or the majority on this.
0: Well, I know that you have some some deeper thoughts that you'd like to share. So hopefully yeah, we'll get point. to those, uh, get through to those at some point this morning on the Shadow Davis show. Is there an amusing text message that has just yeah, come in?
1: Yeah, uh, it came in from Johnny. Says, "Can you move the paper a bit? It's a really good article," <laughs> 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 referring to the section of the newspaper that you put over the camera. Well played, John. Well played. Oh, I feel
4: like to be.
1: I'm Greg. He's Brett. And yesterday, just after 9 o'clock, we visited with senior climatologist at Environment Canada, maybe one of the most famous people in Canada. David Phillips joined us, and he reminded us, not in terms of the calendar, but in terms of weather and winter-like weather,
3: that tomorrow marks the dead of winter.
0: Shadow Davis has more.
3: Good morning. (laughs) Another cold snap, eh? Well, it looks like this one isn't going to last as long as the last one did, but for the next five days, we'll be dealing with far below normal temps before finally recovering to single-digit highs and lows by mid next week. Oh, and look at that. I see Environment Canada just issued another extreme cold warning with wind chill values in the minus 40 range this morning before leveling off to a more comfortable minus 32-ish this afternoon. Ugh. Environment Canada senior climatologist Dave Phillips told us the other day that tomorrow is officially the dead of winter, meaning right in the middle. We still have a ways to go. And it's tough. Can't tell you how many Facebook posts I've seen with that meme, the air hurts my face. Why am I living in a place where the air hurts my face? (laughs) It's obviously meant as a joke, but yes, the air does, in fact, hurt your face. And whatever other parts of yourself you leave exposed to the elements. Winter weather does have a negative physical effect on us, for example, Winter weather strips our skin of moisture and of its natural moisturizing oils. Then, when you turn the heat on, it takes moisture from the air, leaving your home dryer, which pulls even more moisture out of your skin. Hot showers and baths will take more of your skin's natural moisture and oils. And these brutal winds and frequent washing and drying of the hands that comes with flu season leaves the skin even drier and more unprotected. And so... As the skin loses moisture, the outer layer begins to feel dry, itchy, and tight. Left untreated, the skin may eventually form calluses or crack open into unsightly wounds that increase your risk of infection. My dad used to get that on his feet. Ooh, on, I think Lisa's been through three huge bottles of moisturizer already since November and says she still feels like a lizard. But. What happens within a day of being in a warmer climate? Well, the moisture comes back. It's amazing, really. Even I notice the difference because it's that huge. But then, when you have to come back, even in the plane, (laughs) flaking, disgusting, dermatologists suggest washing in lukewarm water, running a humidifier, and moisturize, moisturize, moisturize to counteract the effects of the dryness in winter. And here's a biggie. Low sex drive. Winter time means we're less likely to have sex. The body's testosterone naturally declines from November through April in the Northern Hemisphere and then rises steadily through spring and summer with a peak in October. This is why reproductive rates increase in warmer months with the month of June showing the highest rate of conception. A study conducted by the University of Tasmania suggests our ancestors' hibernation patterns are to blame for the drop in libido. Damn cavemen! What? (laughs) Hibernation caused their metabolisms to slow and sex drives to wane as they increased their calorie load and slept more. This from Dr. Margaret Austin, co-author of that study. So, dry skin and very little to zero sex, don't you just love winter? Back to Mackling and McGarry.
0: What'd you say the humidity in your house is right now? 24%. So your skin's dry? Yes, it's dry. My thumb cracked open the other day because it was so dry. Richard Clouchet said to me yesterday, he came out of the studio uh, when he was on the news. He was speaking with a dermatologist, and he said, I just asked a question on the air that I never thought I would ask. What's that? How often should you moisturize? <laughs>
1: You figured Richard should know the answer to that, or just a strange question? No, he he, he said that to me. I, I
0: never thought I'd ask that question, and uh, apparently it's every day after the shower is the best time to do so. All right.
5: It's winter fall. Red skies
3: are
1: Donald Trump, you may have heard what he said in a meeting on DACA yesterday. Well, he's tweeted out in the last 20 minutes. Here's the quote from his Twitter account. The language used by me at the DACA meeting was tough, but this was not the language used. What was really tough was the outlandish proposal made a big setback for DACA. That was his fourth tweet of the morning. He tweeted last night about canceling his trip to London at about 10:57, so he's tweeted 5 times before he even mentions the comment that has him in hot water and it has his language under the spotlight. Uh, Do we believe this? We'll have that conversation with our uh, panel, our co-workers here. And uh, the dismissal of Haiti and African countries uh, with this vulgar expression is creating a firestorm. Trump reportedly made the remark yesterday during a White House meeting after senators discussed revamping immigration rules. The president suggested that instead of accepting immigrants from Haiti and Africa, the U.S. should allow more people in from countries like Norway. We've decided not to pay that particular word or say that word uh, during the Shadow Davis show, at least for this morning. But we are having coffee talking about Trump's decision to use that word, which he now denies, which we deem inappropriate. Shaneli Vidal, Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, and behind the glass, Jerry, where do we start with this? And it wasn't even the craziest thing he
6: said yesterday, the most inappropriate or bizarre thing he said yesterday it's not even the worst swear we've heard him say. We've heard him on that uh, Access Hollywood video is much worse language.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. And uh, calling He's a month. And even. calling uh, NFL players S.O.B.s. So he, you know, he speaks very. Freely. But uh, we'll get to the the other outlandish thing he said yesterday that that should be under more scrutiny. This is kind of diverting attention away from it. But Shanalee, why don't we start with you? What do you you feel about this? And should we be using this word today? We've decided not to use it. Is Donald Trump pushing the boundaries of appropriate language? Uh, Should we be paying attention? Should we care?
7: Uh, I personally think Donald Trump's been pushing the boundaries of appropriate anything for years and years and even more so since he's become president of the United States that's the thing he's president of the United States these are words that the president should not be using he's representing the american people i mean you're supposed to be diplomatic classy you're you know you're not supposed to use language like that when referring to other countries that is just horrifying i i can't even express it into words it's but the, sad, the saddest part is i'm shocked But I'm also not shocked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people saying they're shocked but not surprised or some sort of variation of that combination. Cal?
8: I know when I was driving into work this morning, I uh, caught Charles Adler's encore, and he was talking with Warren Kinsella, and that was one of the topics that was brought up. And I thought uh, this particular comment was bang on in that as much as it might be alarming that the U.S. president continues to use that kind of language – what probably has to be of greater concern is that it resonates with a great amount of the populace. And, and to me, that is the bigger picture problem. Uh, the White uh, House
1: was not denying no, that he not used the word last night. Not in at fact, all. there were uh, conversations circulating uh, from numerous sor- sources
8: suggesting the White House says that this may, in fact, play very well with the base. And, and I, that's what I was going to say. There are a lot of people who do not share our opinion. By being offended by this, they just go, "Hey, Donald." So when I when I heard about it, the first thing I thought, you guys remember remember those Swimco commercials? With Laurie and David, you go. Oh, Dave! <laughs> My first name was Oh Donald. Well,
1: is yeah. it Manny? Was it Manny Ramirez? or they say It's just Manny, Manny being, being Manny, Manny, Manny yeah, Donald being Donald, Donald. right? Yeah. yeah,
6: he'll have to jump way over the line a lot further than this to before anyone would even think about changing their opinion of him. At this point, I would think this this little incident isn't swaying one vote either way. Can't imagine.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people will probably say, well, he's just speaking honestly. I mean, it was, regardless of the, the whether or not he should use the language, it wasn't a public meeting, right? And this was something that uh, this, we're just hearing about this meeting. He certainly shouldn't be using that language in any kind of a meeting. You know, he's, a, uh, he's the uh, leader. He's a diplomat. He shouldn't be. I once like watched that. an
6: episode of Oprah where she admitted to saying the F word 80 times a day, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, when she wants to be president. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: let's face it: uh, the meeting we have every single day would Ooh. not be suitable for consumption on radio, no. Jerry.
3: Uh, yeah, no, and and the word <laughs> the word that he used doesn't offend me at all. Uh, the fact that he said it doesn't offend me at all. Uh, it's the way that he used it and why he
6: used it. And if he said it about your country, it might offend you a bit. Absolutely. You think? And,
0: and I'd hate to be the, 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 the emissaries from, from the U.S. in these other countries. How are they going to explain that to the people they're living around right now?
1: Yeah. And once again, though, no, it's the hyperbole, right? It's the headline that we are obsessed with. Uh, th- what this does, in my mind, it affirms if we ever had any d- doubt. That Donald Trump is is a racist. Well,
8: I, I think he'd be the first one to tell you that he is. You know, I mean, he he I would say he enforces that opinion on a weekly basis. When he starts talking about Com- comparing uh, countries uh, like
1: El Salvador yeah. and Haiti and, and countries in Africa, and then brings out Norway as a place where he'd like to see more people come from. I, I don't know what other conclusions possible. But as I mentioned, this isn't even the most outlandish thing he, no. he said yesterday. President Trump, who has repeatedly, is from time, uh, has repeatedly called Kim Jong-un rocket man and his government a band of criminals while threatening to destroy the country with fire and fury. Now you know where the title of that book came Mm -hmm. from said yesterday that he has a, quote, very good relationship, unquote, with the Korean dictator. In an interview with the Wall Street Journal, Trump said he may be open to diplomatic meetings with North Korea after months of trading insults and threats over its nuclear weapons program. And here's the quote, I probably have a very good relationship with Kim Jong-un, Mr. Trump said in the Thursday interview. I have relationships with people. I think you people are surprised. Okay,
7: that—that that, that,
1: that was almost a coherent sentence. Never mind. Never mind. The sentence is completely <laughs> ununderstandable. No, and
7: and the scary thing is, I can picture Trump like saying that. I can, I can picture it in his exact oh, words. friends and with
1: him.
0: He might
7: believe lies. it too. He
1: might
0: believe it too. Yeah, he, yeah. Even after his rocket man is on a suicide mission. Comment uh, threatened. What, I think, what were the words? Annihilate, annihilation, uh, wipe them off the map. Wipe them off
1: uh. the I, map. I
7: would love to get Kim Jong Un's take on uh, on what Trump said.
8: Well, hey, well,
1: I suspect we might get it. Oh, I hope so.
8: <laughs> at least through an interpreter, right, or uh, uh, on, on Twitter. I wonder how good a golfer Kim Jong-un is because that's probably where this diplomatic meeting will take place, <laughs> on one of Donald's golf courses that, of course, he never plays nearly as much as Barack Obama no, did. No, no, no. Not
6: at all. But no. if Trump thinks they're good together now— and uh, Rocketman is, uh, you know, enjoying reading his new book and making fun of Trump, and everyone's got smiles on their face, that's, that's a ultimately thing. a good thing, yeah. yeah. yeah but he's insinuating
1: can, that he's had a conversation. Would we not know that he, if he's had any sort of conversation or interaction? And if he has, shouldn't we know that they've had conversations? I don't know. They're just, like, when you start Throwing the dirt out it of the doesn't hole, add up. You're, you're, you're shoveling and you're digging yourself a deeper grave. It seems as though he's doing
8: that every time he opens his mouth these days. I've kind of reached the conclusion that the minute he says, hi, I'm Donald Trump, he's already lying.
0: <laughs> Coming up to 7 o'clock on 680 CGOB. Thank you, Shanley Vidal, Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, and behind the glass, Jerry.
1: Today, uh, Brett marks the 10th anniversary of the Bathurst tragedy. Now, many people may not know what that is. Many may In the early hours of January 12, 2008, seven teenagers with the Bathurst High School basketball team and their coach's wife died instantly when their school van, just minutes from their homes on their way back from a game in Moncton, collided with a transport truck during a snowstorm. The impact shattered the lives of eight families and their community, and it continues to resonate across the country today. Richard Foote, a journalist who covered the tragedy, wrote a detailed account examining the shocking absence in most provinces of legal safety regimes to protect children, traveling to extracurricular events, and what two mothers decided to do about it.
0: Richard's book, Driven, was shortlisted for the East Coast Literary Award and the Evelyn Richardson Prize for Nonfiction. He joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Richard, good morning to you, sir.
5: Good morning. Where
0: have we joined you, by the way? I'm in Halifax. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking some time this morning to talk good. to good us. To be here. Thank you about this story. So maybe we we sort of briefly uh, gave a summary of of what happened, but maybe can you just kind of uh, take us back to the incident in question that uh, led to you writing this book?
5: Sure. Well, uh, as you mentioned, it was uh, just after midnight on January 12, 2008, and Bathurst is a small uh, city, a large town, small city in northern New Brunswick. It's probably like much of Manitoba, uh, very very snowbound wintry climate uh, at that time of year, and uh, its high school was the center of the community. Uh, their basketball team had traveled on a, a night road trip to Moncton on a Friday night and was traveling back on in the wee hours of saturday morning and uh, um, there were um, eleven people on board as well as the coach and uh, they hit you know he, um, he the coach was driving home. He he went off on the shoulder of the road on the way back into into the into the city just before getting to the city, and uh, he lost control of their 15-passenger van that they were traveling on their school-owned van, and uh, the van careened over onto the other side of the road and hit an oncoming Loblaws uh, 18-wheeler, and uh, it was devastating accident. Uh, seven of the teenage boys on on board died, and the coach's wife were killed. Um, the, the The accident was you know well investigated by authorities, the RCMP and Transport Canada, and both essentially, although they didn't lay blame for the the accident, they did point out that the the vehicle itself was in poor mechanical condition. It wouldn't have passed a motor vehicle inspection at the time if there had been one. It didn't have winter tires on it. The driver himself had been working um, uh, for sixteen hours straight on duty had been driving home even in, in spite of this uh, which exceeded the amount of time that any teacher is supposed to be on duty according to law. Uh, and um, there were guidelines in place in New Brunswick at the time, they weren't, they weren't rules but they were guidelines that uh, uh, schools should not travel with their students in, in snowstorms. and um, this, they, they traveled nevertheless be, uh, through a, a storm that had been forecast. And so um, even though most people view it as an accident, it was the kind of accident that had rules or guidelines been followed and some common sense been followed in terms of the mechanical condition of the van, I think it could have been avoided.
1: And of course, it has had far-reaching uh, ramifications for transportation policies for schools across the country. Uh, The uh, use of uh, these types of multi-person vans has also changed uh, because of this tragedy. Tell us about Anna Acevedo and Isabella Haynes, if you would, please.
5: Right. So Anna and Isabel were two of the moms who lost their children. Um, Anna's son, Javier, and um, Isabel's son, Daniel, both died the, the boys who died ranged in age from 15 to 17. One of them actually died on on his 16th birthday. Anyway, so Anna and Isabel were two parents who refused to just accept the fact that it was an accident and and um, and move on with their lives. And they worked very hard. They they felt that the provincial authorities and the school authorities at the time in New Brunswick were. Um, essentially not wanting to make any re- any real change in terms of dealing with um, the regime around which children are transported to extracurricular activities. So they embarked on a, um, a very uh, um, intense and um, relentless campaign to try to bring some kind of a change. And what they exposed, in a nutshell, was something that I, I still think most, most Canadians aren't aware of, which is that there's this uh, odd um, double standard in the way... Uh, school boards transport children there is very strict safety regime uh, in the way kids are transported to and from school for classes yellow school buses are the way it are are, the, are required by law with professional drivers but when those same schools uh, transport their kids to extracurricular activities that are school sanctioned events uh, and they provide their own transportation there's no regulations in most provinces for how they sh- should do it well I should I should correct that there are there are there are guidelines and there are some regulations, but the, the same kind of strict safety regime that involves professional drivers and yellow school buses simply doesn't exist. And that's the case in, across most of Canada still today. The Moms raised a lot of awareness about the dangers of 15-passenger vans, and they, the vans were, had been already been banned because of a previous fatal accident in Nova Scotia. Um, most East Coast provinces as well as Quebec subsequently put bans in place Prohibiting schools from transporting children in 15-passenger vans, but no such ban exists any, in any other provinces today. Although some school boards have their own, their own set of uh, rules, but it, there's no provincial bans anywhere west of Quebec. So the mothers did a lot of good work, but there's still, um, there's still, I think, a lot of work to be done.
1: That these out of these tragedies come these heroes uh, in these uh, dire circumstances, and and what Anna and Isabel have have started uh, clearly isn't finished yet in any way, Richard.
5: Yeah. So they, one of the things that they've recently accomplished was, well, a couple of years ago they accomplished in 2015, following largely because of their lobbying efforts. On the federal government, Transport Canada decided to create a new class of vehicle called a multifunction school activity bus. And this is—I don't know if you know what an MSAB is—a multifunction activity bus. But it's a smaller version of the school bus, and so it's built to kind of rigorous safety standards to protect its passengers and and uh, have rigorous um, um, operational standards. Uh, and what 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 the what the creation of a new class of vehicle call the multifunction school activity bus does is it shows schools that there's an alternative to 15 passenger vans. And this is harmonized with the same kind of uh, vehicle standard that's in the United States so that it enlarges the market for these kinds of vehicles uh, and makes them a little more affordable for schools that choose to purchase them. And rather than just say to schools, you know, you can drive your kids to off-site events, after school, in whatever type of vehicle you want, there is now a recommended federal standard for that for a specific kind of vehicle. That being said, it really comes down to individual provinces and school boards right across the country for what kind of rules they want to follow and unfortunately much of their choices are dictated by money and resources and as we all know there's there's always limited resources in school boards all, all around the country. So. I think Anna and Isabel have done an awful lot and, and the Van Angels group with which Isabel Haynes started has done an awful lot to raise awareness and make bring some change, but it really in the end still comes down to what individual provinces and school boards choose to do. And I think because most parents, like the parents in Bathurst 10 years ago, weren't aware about the lack of standards, the lack of, of rules and regulations governing how they're kids were going to be transported to these events, uh, I I still think there's a great deal that can still be done.
0: Richard Foote is the author of Driven, How the Bathurst Tragedy Ignited a Crusade for Change. Joining us live this morning from Halifax. Unfortunately, we are out of time, even though we've just scratched the surface on this all-too-important conversation regarding January 12, 2008, seven teenagers with the Bathurst High School basketball team and their coach's wife died instantly when their school van, just minutes from their homes on their way back from a game in Moncton, collided with a transport truck during a snowstorm. Now. Just so sickly and depressing.
1: <laughs> I think you should... Jerry, I really think you should <laughs> ace the recorder before you start playing another instrument, okay? <laughs> Bagpipes are not your thing either, just for the record. with McGarry in the morning, Shadow Davis Show. I'm uh, bracketed by the two couch potatoes, Jeff Braun and my co-host, Brett McGarry, on this Friday morning, 7.37. It is cold outside, but uh, a little warmer inside a movie theater
0: What's uh, cooking at the movies, boys? There are five big films we want to tell you about. And, Jeff, no. I think we should start with the one that's uh, made its way back
6: yeah. into theaters. What's it's not it called? even new. It was out. It's a Golden Globe winner. Three billboards outside Emmick, Missouri. Here's a clip.
9: So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter, Angela, was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. The hell is
0: this? So this played, I believe, back in November uh, for a few weeks here and then kind of disappeared. And uh, as you surmised and predicted, it will make its return. And chung course, chung. It's only playing at the the Cineplex on McGillivray. Yeah, so that's the one theater that it's playing yeah. at. I, if I had to guess, it's not going to be around for long.
6: No, if you really want to see it, if you're going to watch the Oscars and all these award shows, you might as well go see this one, because it looks like it's a, getting nominated and might win a bunch. So, Where do you want to go next? Oh, uh, why don't we, uh, another one that's nominated for awards, hasn't won anything yet, Spielberg, Hanks, Streep, it's the post.
4: It must be precious cargo. It's just government secrets.
8: Ooh. If you publish, we'll be at the Supreme Court next week.
5: Meaning? Well, we could all go to prison.
0: Yeah, The Post, uh, they, they had that gag at the beginning of the Golden Globes where Seth Meyers was talking about The Post and then a woman ran out with like 16 Golden Globes in oh, her yeah, arms, yeah, yeah. and he said, no, 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 we gotta <laughs> wait, and then they ran back and they flashed to Steven Spielberg's table where he had his, you know, he was, of course, he looks fairly modest, uh, didn't win any awards. No, though. went home empty-handed. Didn't, Are you surprised by that?
6: Um, a Based little on bit. on the buzz? Yeah, but I was thinking, I mean, these Spielberg movies tend to get nominated for just, for the sake of because it's Spielberg movie, right? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes like War Horse that got shut out of everything too. That year it was nominated a bunch, so I think they're just nominating a Spielberg movie because of his name. And I think he would probably that rather that not happen. If he's just gonna not win anything anyways like don't nominate it
0: are you gonna go and see this one
6: i'd like to see the post but i'd like i'd also like to see
0: three billboards uh, i'd also like to see uh some of the other movies you are talking about so i don't know i i mean there are too many movies that come out at this time of year we know wanna what you want to
6: see you want to see. see the next one on our list paddington 2 i do phoenix buchanan dance
4: celebrity clients
6: I suppose you know
3: who I am. Oh yes, you're a very famous actor.
6: VIP, celebrity,
3: <laughs> or used to be. Now you do dog food commercials. 100%
0: on still? Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, still. He wow. was. Yeah, it hasn't. It's the first one in 2015 was 98%, and even Greg Mackling saw it and said, and it warmed to your heart. It did, absolutely. It and that, that one was well a
6: troubled production, didn't they have to gas the lead actor before? During the shoot or something,
0: Colin Firth yeah. was the voice of Paddington, and they they came to the conclusion they weren't getting what they wanted from him, and uh, they had to. There was a difficult parting, a sad parting, I think, because Colin Firth was enjoying himself, but they went with this younger guy Ben Wishaw, and by all accounts uh, was the right decision yeah. because these movies are getting just such good reviews. It looks like fun, great family fun, and well, I guess you don't even have to be in a like you don't have to go with kids; just go. It looks good. Who doesn't like Paddington Bear? <laughs>
6: It's true. Have your pulse checked if you don't. Uh, there's a couple of for that are not for kids. I think these are both uh, decidedly for adults. Taraji P Henson gets to play a hit woman in Proud Mary. Mary, I got a job for you. I
5: need
10: you taking it astray.
7: You a cop? Not exactly.
9: Someday. One more job and I'm done. It's time for me to move on. Someday leave. we will find you and the boy. Long answer. I
1: admit when Jeff said a hit woman, and please don't take this the wrong way, I thought of Tina Turner when I saw Pr- Her Proud Mary <laughs> hit woman. I did not put those words together in the proper Context. Oh my goodness! So yeah. I was a little bit uh, surprised uh, when I listened to the clip there.
0: Well, the song the, the song has been used in most of the marketing. This was the one ad that I saw that was not used, or that song didn't use it. But the one of the TV spots I enjoyed. It was titled because they when they put these ads up online, they all have different names. One was. Uh, Uh, you'll see power struggle the resurrection or whatever but for Proud Mary it was black in action which I think was pretty clever so they're taking advantage they're highlighting the fact that hey this is a black woman a strong black woman and uh, giving her her own action movie she's phenomenal did you didn't you used to watch Person of Interest did you no okay I okay. watched the like the pilot episode. That's right, I did too, and I just sort of gave up on that. So, so who Magic is this she? To which you, to Taraji P Henson. She's yeah. in Empire. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's Cookie in Empire. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. On
1: I'm familiar with the show. I have not watched it. So once again, I am exhibiting the uh, reason as to why I'm not the third couch potato.
0: Well, <laughs> did you ever see uh, Hidden Figures? Is that yes. what it was called? Hidden Figures. I did see Hidden yeah. Figures. She enjoyed it very much. Yeah, she was in that. Okay, she, great. She was the. I think she was the main mathematician, was she not? In the
6: NASA movie? I already can't remember. <laughs>
1: Let's
0: go with
6: that. Okay, and then the, the, what's the fifth movie? Oh, uh, have you seen Rob Roy? Because Liam Neeson is the commuter.
7: What if I asked you to do something that could profoundly affect an individual on this train?
6: I don't understand.
7: It's just one little thing. Someone on this train does not belong.
9: All you have to do is find them.
0: Why would I do it? In the bathroom,
9: they're seventy-five thousand dollars. That money is yours if you do this one little thing.
0: The commuter, starring Liam Neeson and Vera Farmiga, and it's getting fifty-seven uh, percent. It looks like basically, well, oh, fifty-three. Pardon me, Liam Neeson doing the action movie kind of thing. This looks like pulpy, silly,
6: yeah, sort of throwaway fun. And and I think it's. I think he's said that he's. Sort of done with action movies now, so this might be the last one, unless it's the number one movie, in which case there will be three or four more.
0: Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think that you ran in one of your newscasts this morning that Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, will likely come out number one. Interesting staying power
6: on that film. That's yeah, weird. But it, everybody loves the
0: Rock. That's all there's to it. Yeah, it's just a plowing along. The Last Jedi has made its uh, billions of dollars by now, so. I saw Vice
1: President that. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Teresa P. <laughs>
0: Henson, yes, uh, hidden figure. She
1: was the the lead mathematician at NASA. Very, very good. You guys just blow me away with your knowledge on that stuff. We're nerds. Very well done. Uh, <laughs> I want to give you stand and give you a an
6: ovation here. Uh, very well done. Thank you. Octavia very, Spencer's in Hidden Figures. She's great in uh, yes. The Shape of Water, which is a one I would recommend people go see.
0: Oh, that's right. Thank you very much, Jeff Braun. Couch Potatoes tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock and then Sunday afternoon at 4. We This week, we're going to talk about some of the TV shows that uh, are coming up next week that look really cool and then Jeff's got a belated review sort of of Dunkirk as he looks at uh, the awards season which is now off and running with the Golden Globes having been given out last week good
1: uh, friend of the radio station Big Daddy Taz says hey guys it's Tazzy here if you see one movie this year or in the next two years make it three billboards it's that good Friday morning a, and, and Donald Trump's probably learning that everyone's watching and listening all the time. The president has called attention to himself once again, this time using a vulgar expression to refer to
0: some countries on our planet. Shadow Davis is here now with more.
3: Good morning. Well, Donald Trump is back at it and you have to wonder how much more of this the American people can take, not to mention the rest of the world like us, right? According to a report in the Washington Post, Trump said yesterday in the Oval Office in a discussion about immigration and possibly restoring protections to El Salvadorans who've been living in the U.S. legally for 20 years, possibly Haitian immigrants and some immigrants from African countries as well. Here's what Trump said. Why are we having all these people from rhymes with mithole whole countries come here? Why do we need more Haitians? Take them out. Trump then suggested that the U.S. should instead bring more people in from countries like Norway, whose prime minister he met with on Wednesday. The president, according to a White House official, also suggested he'd be more open to immigrants from Asian countries because he felt they could help the United States economically. Again, this is according to people familiar with the meeting, but who haven't yet been named. The list of condemnations is long, but let's start with U.N. Human Rights spokesperson Rupert Colville, who said, There is no other word one can use but racist. You cannot dismiss entire countries and continents as rhymes with bit holes, whose entire populations who are not white are therefore not welcome. African Union spokesperson Ebba Colondo said, given the historical reality of how many Africans arrived in the United States as slaves, this statement flies in the face of all accepted behavior and practice. The Haitian ambassador to the U.S., Paul Altador, said Trump's views were based on stereotypes. Interesting, even ex-FBI director James Comey, who was fired by Trump last May, chimed in by tweeting the inscription on the Statue of Liberty, adding, "...this country's greatness and true genius lies in its diversity." late-night host Jimmy Kimmel. Listen, I'm sure the fact the countries he described as are mostly populated by people of color uh, and the immigrants he wants from Norway are not is a coincidence because if it wasn't, it would mean we voted for a racist like a real Here's Anderson Cooper on CNN suggesting this kind of comment from Trump is nothing new. Three weeks ago, The New York Times reported something else the president said about Haitians in another meeting at the White House. About Haitians, he reportedly said they quote all have AIDS and said that Nigerians, quote, live in huts. Now the White House denied he said those things at the time, three weeks ago. Now yesterday the White House did not deny the rhymes with kid comments. Matter of fact, they actually defended Trump. Not the comment, but his position on immigration. White House spokesperson Raj Shah issued a statement saying certain Washington politicians choose to fight for foreign countries, but President Trump will always fight for the American people. Oh, and here's something else not immigration related. Trump said yesterday in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, I probably have a very good relationship with Kim Jong-un. Then said, I don't want to comment on it. I'm not saying I have or haven't, I just don't want to (laughs) comment. What? Did Trump hit a new low yesterday or is it just more of the same? RasmussenReports.com does daily polling on the president's approval numbers. As of yesterday, the tracking poll showed that 45% of likely U.S. voters approve of President Trump's job performance, 53% disapproved. This is an improvement of 10 points since the summer. By comparison, Barack Obama's approval in his second January as president was 49%. Ronald Reagan's was 48%. They both went on to second terms as the world scratches its collective head. Back to Mackling and McGarry.
1: Of course, uh,
3: in the last uh, hour and a bit, Donald Trump uh, admitting that he
1: used colorful language but insists he did not use that word. Well. I guess we'll uh, find out. Only time will tell on that. And uh, Brett, uh, speaking of colorful language, uh, Christian O'Mell working in the uh, 680 CJB newsroom, calling himself dumb. He says, uh, correction on that stall. It is in fact, southbound Salter in the curb lane on the north side of the slaw Rebchuk bridge. So that will be causing substantial problems as people are making their way from Garden City the north end into the downtown over the Slaw-Rebchuck
0: bridge. So keep your eyes open for that. Thank you for the correction, Christian. Now, on the subject of the language used and where it has since aired on CNN and even on this radio station overnight.
1: Well, you know, I put this together, and so, you know, this isn't off the cuff as I often do some stuff. Uh, You know how I feel about Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Brett. he, He may be the most famous comedian of our time, perhaps ever, and financially he is by far the most successful But for the most part, Seinfeld takes everyday experience and his observations and commentary on them and turns them into some of the most hilarious stand-up bits and routines ever created. Very little controversy, next to no political content, and almost no swearing whatsoever. He can convey some of the most potentially uncomfortable human situations and do so without cursing. Now, you may remember George Carlin, perhaps one of the funniest men ever to take the stage as a stand-up comedian. He may have, uh, he in fact, created the observational style of stand-up. He was controversial, he was political, and he created one of the greatest and best-known bits exclusively around cursing, cussing, and swearing. It's based on the seven dirty words you can't say on television. Last night, thanks to President Trump's comments on certain countries of the world from which their citizens dare to emigrate to America, one of those seven dirty words was all over cable news. This roughly 18 months after a variation of another one of the seven dirty words became acceptable part of news talk. That shift thanks to audio of the then private citizen Trump discussing how he initiates physical contact with women based on his celebrity status. I've always been under the impression that the Republican Party was the party of morality and family values in America. Their leadership doesn't seem to be held to the same standard as the general public. I couldn't believe my ears as I listened to conversation on American television yesterday afternoon and into the evening, not to mention late night and overnight radio here on CJOB. Where is this headed? I've also, I've often, pardon me, lauded cable television for normalizing language that many people use in our everyday lives and translating that into our entertainment. It has me wondering which of Carlin's seven dirty words are next to be used over a news cycle or longer. I'm comfortable with this honest discussion using language uttered at the highest level of political conversation and in a larger segment of my everyday life. The larger question in my mind, am I in the majority or am I in the minority?
9: One, two, three.
0: Three things with Chanelie Vidal. Three things, three, hang on, let me say that again. Three free things to do this weekend. That was surprisingly difficult to say.
7: Good job, Brett.
0: (laughs) Do I get a gold star?
7: If I had one, I would give it to you and I'd (laughs) stick it right on your forehead.
0: Go to Staples. They sell them. Go and get some. Start handing some out.
7: Wisdom from Greg.
0: (laughs) So what are the three free things to do this weekend?
7: Well... It's uh, everyone's been talking about fitness of course this month being January you know some of us have had a uh, little too much fun eating over the holidays including myself speak for yourself <laughs> So a lot of people are thinking about you know turning over a new leaf getting into shape starting starting to also even just to, to get healthier Right. So uh, you have a great opportunity to get your fit on tomorrow because it is free fitness day at the Canada Games Sport for Life Centre. And that's located at 145 Pacific Avenue. So between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., you can sample a group fitness class, attend a workshop or uh, play in their motion zone.
1: Nice. Yeah.
7: And as a bonus, here's a here's here's a good thing. It's free to park in their indoor heated parking. Your car is gonna be so happy.
1: <laughs> you can actually take it in there just to thaw it yeah. out. So get, maybe if you don't even aren't even interested, just well, go hang take it out. There, and,
7: take there. I might do this. Take it. Take your car there to thaw it out. Get get her warmed up, and then go while while it's there. Check out the center. Even
1: better, go get your car washed, then take it there, dry it and thaw it out, and then go and check out this incredible facility. By the way, it is gorgeous. I have
7: I've seen pictures. I haven't been. There yet, but I definitely want to check it out. And I love, I love your Winnipeg survival tips, Greg. By the way, watch yeah. your car, then take it to the heated parking. You got it, girl. And so they're going to be giving away things like uh, scarves, uh, protein samples, and doing a lot of bonus draws for things like uh, coupons and massages, cookies and, and massages, cookies, massages, coupons. <laughs> and there's and somebody is going to win a free membership to the Canada Games Sport for Life Center.
1: Very cool. Excellent. Very,
7: very neat. So this next one is uh, on too far away from the Canada Games Sport for Life Centre. It's uh, at Cinematheque mm. run by the Winnipeg Film Group. That's located at 100 Arthur Street right in the, the Arts Building in the main floor. If you haven't been there, it's a great awesome facility. They show a lot of films that you may you might not have otherwise have seen, so definitely uh, see what's going on there. They're running their uh, Cabin Fever Festival all throughout January and February. It started back in 2005 and kind of blossomed into a rite of passage for parents and their kids. So you So you can take your kids there each Sunday until the end of February. And to see a, a wonderful, wonderful family-friendly movie. And by the way, uh, parents and kids do get first dibs on the seating. And uh, versus so, who else? <laughs> who people else? like me. <laughs> oh, oh,
1: I see singletons like singletons it, like me okay, who just want to see it. some <laughs> just want to see some great movies for free. Parents, kids, what other type of people and are there? As oh, a bonus, yes.
7: there's going to be a free stop-motion animation workshop offered by Graffiti Art Programming one hour prior to the films on January 14th and 28th, and February 11th and 25th.
1: One of my- my kids is really into this. I may, I'm writing this down right now. Very Sounds cool. Like fun.
7: And coming up, so so yeah, last weekend it was it was Hugo, and uh, this this weekend on this Sunday they're going to do Charlie Chaplin's The Circus. Love Charlie Chaplin. And uh, later on uh, throughout January and February they're going to be having uh, the Muppets, The Princess Bride, King Kong, and Eclia and the Bee. Lots of great movies showing there. So it's great for parents and kids and. People like me who just love fun movies.
0: Okay. And then what is the third thing?
7: The third thing, I know I've mentioned this before, but it's definitely worth mentioning again. There's going to be lots of fun winter activities happening at the Forks in Arctic Glacier Winter Park. Now, this is in, ad- in addition to the many kilometers of skating on the Red River Mutual Trail, tobogganing, croak two, on- two on-land skating rinks, and, and the uh, beautifully lit skating trails. Every Sunday from 1 to 4 until the end of February, there are some neat things to enhance your winter experience. So there's going to be solon ice. The canopy skating rink is transformed formed into a dance floor on ice. They're going to have DJs Honeycutt and co-op there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
7: Indigenous programming, so you can join Indigenous elders inside a teepee for a traditional experience of making bannock and sharing stories. Very cool. Also, a classic horse-drawn wagon rides. And you can just uh, hop on, enjoy a ride all around the Forks. And just keep in mind, I know we are very hardy here and used to extreme temperature, but if there is super extreme weather, they may have to cancel some of those special added events. But you can always check for updates at theforks.com/slash. Slash AG Winter Park.
1: As if we needed more reasons to go to the Forks like in the
0: wintertime.
1: A lot of See
7: a lot of stuff going on in the dead of winter.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to our chat about the uh, ice castles at 8:45. So thank you very much for that, Chanelie. Free, free things to do. As uh, the the Tootsie. That's the Tootsie Pop Owl. Remember the Tootsie Pop Owl. Used to say, it, it, we,
7: it, yeah, it's it's that's it's the owl, and it takes three licks to get to the bottom of a to the middle of a tootsie pop.
1: And he would always say, three. Yeah. We have a generation gap in the studio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't know the ad? No. Oh. I bet you you've seen the ad. Yeah, I don't think. Oh, so. Oh, hey, Shanley, can you, you put your headphones on for a second? You probably can't hear the music. Count the
3: days at seven. You're the best Jerry.
0: Jet Set Satellite, one of Chanelie's all-time favorites.
6: who have come from away welcome to the locals
10: who have always said they'd stay if you're coming from toledo or you're coming from taipei because we come from everywhere we are Welcome, from away. welcome to the ride. i'm
1: suddenly I craving screech or rum or kissing a puffin's butt or kissing the cod That, of course, is music from Come From Away, the hottest ticket in town. It's playing at the Royal Manitoba Theater Center. And, uh, Brett, I haven't hit StubHub or I didn't have to go on a StubHub. To try and find tickets. I was lucky enough to inherit a couple of tickets for tonight. I know you are going on Sunday. The Grammy-nominated musical is on now
0: until February, and the run is completely sold out. And we are very fortunate to be joined by the real-life inspiration for one of the characters. Beverly Bass trailblazed her way to becoming one of the first female pilots to ever fly commercial airlines in North America. And she joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Beverly, and my apologies for this. Is it Bass or Bass, your last name?
9: Oh, it is Bass.
0: It is Bass. Okay, so my my first roll of the dice was correct. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, my understanding is that you have seen this show come from away 61 times.
9: Oh, no. Actually, last night uh, was number 92 for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
9: wow, good for you.
0: We need the uh, NHL to
1: keep compilation and uh, keep track of your stats here, at Beverly. That is very impressive. Tell us, t- tell us about your role in this extraordinary story.
9: Well, I-, I honestly had no idea how prominent my role was in the show until we went to the opening in La Jolla. In California which was in the summer of 2015 and uh, and I must admit I was I was pretty surprised that my role was so significant.
0: So for those who are not familiar with Come From Away, it tells the story about how some several thousand people ended up in Gander, Newfoundland and as part of Operation Yellow Ribbon after 9-11 and the American airspace was shut down and all of these planes had to be diverted elsewhere and many of them ended up in Gander which is a little airport but it's a transatlantic fuel stop so it has tons of space and a lot of these people ended up in Gander and this play, this show is inspired by that so you were a pilot on uh, which with which airline
9: i uh, was a pilot for american airlines i was flying a boeing triple seven from paris france to dallas texas and there were actually 38 airplanes diverted to gander on that day and I was number 36 out of 38 to land. And uh, we invaded their tiny little city in a three-hour period with nearly 7,000 passengers and crew members.
1: What was the atmosphere like on that flight? Uh, you're, you're landing at this tiny, isolated community with this gigantic airport, clearly most of the passengers, half at at least, could see out the windows. All these uh, other airplanes parked on the tarmac. Uh, At that point, did the passengers know why you were diverting and landing in Gander? Maybe walk us through that a little bit.
9: Right. I was over the middle of the North Atlantic when we got word on our radios that the towers had been hit. And, uh, you know, it was uh, quickly after that that we learned that all of the U.S. airspace was closed. So, we were quickly uh, loading our computers with a divert city such as Toronto or Montreal, Edmonton, or, you know, one of the larger cities in Canada. And then as we approached the coastline of uh, northern Canada, we were contacted by Gander Control, and we were told by them to land our airplane immediately in Gander. So I had to think pretty quickly what I was going to say to the passengers, because, you know, at that time, none of us as crew members knew who we had in the backs of our airplanes. So it was, uh, it was challenging, but I decided I was going to tell them the truth. And I, I didn't know a lot of information. I just said there'd been a crisis in the United States. We would be landing our airplane in Gander, Newfoundland, and I would get back to them with more information once we were on the ground.
0: And then how long were you in Gander?
9: Well, we had actually flown for seven hours by the time we landed in Gander. We were then on the airplane for another 21 hours. So we were on the airplane 28 hours before we were able to deplane, and we were there for five days.
1: 21 hours on the ground. Yes, I mean, I mean, uh, we hear about things going awry after four or five hours. <laughs> Passengers, you know, getting impatient. Uh, did you have provisions? Were provisions brought out to the plane? Walk us through that, if you would.
9: Well, we only had one snack meal left, which is a meal that is served at the end of an international flight, about two hours prior to landing in your destination city. So, the flight attendants decided to save that for. Dinner, which they served pretty early, about five o'clock, and passed out blankets and pillows and put on movies and hoped that they would maybe go to sleep. And then Gander was wonderful in that they provided as much as they could to the airplanes. I mean, they couldn't provide hot meals, but you know, they brought water and. Juice and neutro grain bars and and really whatever the passengers needed i mean it was you know they filled prescriptions and brought nicotine patches and what whatever you know was uh uh needed to sit on the ground for that much time.
0: So we only have a couple of minutes left here. Why don't you tell us? You've seen the show 92 times, so uh, clearly you like it. Um, <laughs> what can what can somebody who has never seen the show expect when they go to see Come from Away?
9: Well, I think the greatest thing about the show is you can literally recommend it to anyone, knowing that they are going to come out loving the show. It uh, is it's a beautiful story that we actually like to call a 912 story because it is all about the goodness and kindness that was bestowed upon us by the people in Gander and Newfoundland and the surrounding cities that uh, is just incredible. I mean, there are parts of the show that are absolutely funny, and there are many happy parts. And, of course, there are a few sad moments, but it never allows you to stay in the sadness very long So at the end of the show, they walk out uh, feeling a bit of closure from that tragic day.
1: Beverly, I think you should be writing a book about your your <laughs> yeah. role in this. Uh, as we were doing our research for this this morning, uh, your story and uh, just the 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 plight of your plane alone, and the whole idea that uh, you weren't allowed to to leave Gander if you were on that flight. One of the mandates was that you landed with 158 passengers, and you had to take off from Gander once the moratorium on flight was lifted with 158 passengers and exactly. the same ones.
9: Yes,
1: very true. Oh yep. boy, what a story. Can't wait to see it uh, on the stage tonight. Uh, you're in Winnipeg for a few days, are you?
9: Oh, I'll be there tonight.
1: Well, I'll have to introduce yes. myself to you then. I so look forward you, to that. You look me
9: up. Please. Okay,
1: Thank you, Beverly. <laughs> okay thanks bye-bye. for all have that you've day. done. Thank you.
0: All right, Thanks. Beverly Bass joining us live on 680 CJOB. Once again, she was one of the pilots who flew a plane, a Boeing 777, an American Airlines Boeing 77, into Gander, Newfoundland on 9-11. Beverly is the first, this is worth pointing out, the third woman hired as a pilot at American Airlines, the first to make captain at age 34. She retired in 2008. She has seen Come From Away 92 times? And I guess tonight it'll be 93. That's right. <laughs> so clearly, this is a show worth seeing. Its whole run sold out for the next month at the Royal MTC. Greg seeing it tonight. I'm seeing it on Sunday afternoon. Super excited about that. On the Shadow Davis Show on 680 CJOB.
1: Hank Mackling and Brett McGarry. Shadow Davis Show. What do Midway, Utah, Dillon, Colorado, Stillwater, Minnesota, Lincoln, New Hampshire, and Edmonton, Alberta have in common?
0: I have no idea where you're going with this. They all have, all
1: have ice castle displays right now, like the one happening at the Sp- Forks. It's running until early February. Winnipeg is one of only two Canadian locations chosen to
0: host the event this year. And our guest is Rachel Tew, one of the event managers for the Winnipeg event. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: One of the only two Canadian cities, and it's only going until February. And by all accounts, from what I can tell, this has been a smash hit so far. Am I incorrect in stating that?
4: You are correct.
0: Okay. So... For those who are not familiar with this, if they've somehow never heard of the ice castles, which I I suspect is not the case, but if someone's never heard of the ice castles at the Forks, what's going on?
4: Uh, So ice castles, it literally is what it is in the name. It's a castle built with ice, just ice and water it's built with, and you can see the the icicles form. Um, So a lot of kids that come in, they say, "Oh, it's like Frozen, Elsa." Um, it really looks like that when you walk in when you walk into the site.
1: Now there's some uh, added features. It's not just sheets of ice and icicles hanging down. They've been <laughs> augmented by a, a variety of different technologies.
4: Yes, that's correct. So they have a lot of different things in in there. One of our biggest hits in the side is a slide. So there's an ice slide in there. Um, There's a fountain, um, and there's a cave and a dome in there as well. Uh, They've just recently put up um, an ice throne and a kitty slide for the kids.
0: How long did it it take to build?
4: Uh, So typically it takes about 4,000 man hours to build, but they've been working on it since probably... Uh, Mid-November, uh, mm. it is weather dependent, so they've had a little bit of a um, a halt once in a while in November because of our warm weather, and then once it got below zero, they were all over it.
0: Well, and speaking of that warm weather, was there any trepidation just a few days ago when it warmed up, when it approached minus two? Did we even, did we get to zero? Well, according to my car, we did, but okay. I don't know if we
1: officially got to zero or above, but did it cause any issues?
4: No, not really. As long as it's zero and below, we can pretty much handle the ice and the, the weather. Um, but it was very busy with a lot of uh, foot traffic at the forks.
1: Now, as spectacular as this is in the daytime, I understand nighttime is is absolutely incredible.
4: Nighttime is my favorite because all the LED lights come on and it really looks like a magical experience.
0: As far as capacity, uh, is, have there been big lineups? Does it take a while to get into this place?
4: Uh, pretty much, we've, we've had big lineups, especially last weekend with the weather being so great. Um, I would recommend buying them online. They usually sell 250 tickets online per half hour. Um, so on the weekend, we were pretty much sold out and we had to um, put a halt on our standby walk-up lineups. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs>
0: so
1: if, I, if, if I'm planning to come with my kids, how long should I expect to be inside the castle? Is Am I limited to a half hour? How does that work?
4: No, so when you buy your tickets for the half-hour time frame, that's your time frame to enter the castle. Once you're inside, you can spend as much time as you want until closing.
0: Okay. And as far as uh, the, the weight of this, like, do we know how much ice in, in terms of tonnage is in this castle?
1: It's
4: about 25,000 tons of ice um, per site.
1: Okay. And so how big is the site? Like, uh, can you paint a picture for us uh, with regard? I mean, I've seen it uh, traveling over the uh, St. Bon or uh, I guess it's the uh, Provence Bridge into downtown and home and whatnot. But how, how big is the site?
4: It's about one acre. Well,
1: that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good size ice castle.
4: It is, yeah. And it varies at different locations. Some are a little bit bigger than others. Being here um, at the Forks, it's a, it's a little bit smaller than the ones that they've had for six or seven years.
1: Have you been to any of the other ice castles yourself?
4: I have not. I'm, I'm born and raised here in Winnipeg, and it's the first time here, so I'm very excited to be part of the team. I would like to see the other um, ice castles in the other sites. They do have different features um, other than what we have right now.
0: What does it cost to go
4: um, so it varies. There's child admission and there's adult admission. So Monday to Thursday uh, for a child, it's $9.95. Uh, for the adults or for general admission over 12 years old, it's $12.95. Uh, on the weekends, Friday to Sunday, um, the child admission is eleven ninety five and the general admission is sixteen ninety five. dollars uh, There are the walk-up lineups, which are a little bit more expensive, uh, the most being $20 for um, the general admission and 15 for the child admission.
0: So this goes until early February, but uh, if you're selling 250 tickets per half hour, sounds like it's a really hot ticket. Is there any chance that this gets extended?
4: We are hoping to extend as long as the weather cooperates. So um, although they were aiming for early February, mid-February, we'd like to stay until March as long as the weather is cold.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of, uh, you know, careful what you wish for.
4: Yes, exactly.
1: Yes, <laughs> Obviously, there's lots of people who would like to see this. Uh, and the only way some people will be able to see it is if the cold weather extends itself. And uh, many of us would like to see the cold weather and sooner. But uh, this is another example of the way we are one of the ways we're embracing winter in our city.
4: That's correct. So what I love about Winnipeg is that we're always looking for things to do, especially in the winter, as most of our year is winter. Um, So this is a really great opportunity for Ice Castles to be here in Winnipeg, especially with all the winter amenities.
1: Now, one of the true marks of something that, that is in Winnipeg is when people come to visit it and they go, I don't even feel like I'm in Winnipeg. For some reason, that seems to be the mark of something successful. I bet you hear that all the time.
4: I hear all the time, uh, everyone, we get really great positive feedback about Ice Castles and that they picked the right city to come in.
0: Okay. Where where do we go online to buy tickets?
4: Uh, You just go to www.icecastles.com. You just choose your location, which is Winnipeg, and you can buy your tickets online there.
0: All right. Well, Rachel, too, thank you so much for visiting us today to tell us about Ice Castles. Rachel is one of the event managers for the Winnipeg event. One of Winnipeg, one of a very few select cities, select elite cities to host the Ice Castles. I really got to get down here. We have until at least early February, Greg.
1: We'll take our skate on the river and then we'll go to the (laughs) Ice Castles. Is that you on the homepage there? There's a picture of someone on the front page of the website that looks a lot like you, Rachel.
4: No, it is not me. I haven't had anyone take my picture yet on site. (laughs) Okay. All
1: right. Pure fun, they call it. Icecastles.com. Thank you, Rachel. Great to meet you.
4: Thank you. Oh, ice, ice,
3: baby. Yeah, ice. Vanilla eyes, vanilla ice, ice, baby. Oh, ice, ice,
10: baby.
0: We are excited right now to have a chat in studio with somebody. We've been receiving emails <laughs> and uh, communicating with this man. Uh, for 14 years for me as long as I've been with this radio station i been meeting him for the first time.
1: I co-hosted Sports Sunday or the Sunday morning hockey show for about six years and uh, Chris uh, Zook is kind of like uh, that text relationship nice me. that I had for a long time <laughs> and finally I, I, I get to meet Tim.
10: Well, I hope I match uh, your expectations or try to. Oh, you have no idea, Chris. <laughs> Great to finally uh, Happy New connect, Year connect to, to everyone. You. Happy New Year to you
1: and uh, you are the uh, voice you are the, no, no, the no, name behind uh, Bison nope. Sports, and uh, let's face it, I just it, do
10: communications. Yeah, That's
1: but you know what? You do such a great job Mm-mm. in keeping us informed of what all the different teams are doing, uh, their successes and otherwise on the field, we off like the to field, just
10: go to successes.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Let's face <laughs> it. Sometimes things don't go the sure, way we enough. want, and you do a great job uh, of covering those things and and sharing those with us fairly as well. This is a huge weekend for you. My kids go to the mini U camps in the summer and I got an email I think it was on Sunday inviting the kids out to to come down to this big event so tell us what's happening I already
10: know others may not well you know what it is uh, it's a big week for it's every weekend. It's a big weekend for Bison sports. Let's be honest here. But we're starting the new year, and uh, this weekend we uh, we have a Super Saturday that's going on. We have five of the six Bison teams at home. It starts at noon, goes all the way to about nine o'clock at uh, night there, and uh, that'll start with. Uh, uh, boy you know i'm trying to i believe uh it's going to be men's uh, basketball and and uh, uh w- w- sorry women's basketball men's basketball then we got women's hockey and then we got men's and women's volleyball it's a crazy weekend it's a, there's a mini u uh, event uh, this weekend as well there's there's alumni event uh it's I tell you this much: it's it's crazy because we're just starting the new year and it's already underway. We already had uh, games last week as some people had holidays and stuff, but there's no holidays for the Bison teams as they already uh, you know got some winning going there. And I'll tell you this: people want to come out. You know, the Jets are on the road this weekend and, and stuff, and it, it's minus three thousand degrees. Come on into the warmth of the U of M campus there: uh, basketball, volleyball, the Investors Group Athletics Center, women's hockey at the Wayne Fleming Arena. Let me just tell, tell you this, Brett and. Greg, uh, number one team in the country, buys in women's hockey. They when's never, the last time? Never. First 20 time. years uh, of the program, first time they've been number one. John Rempel, in his 14th season, he has them rolling. Uh, they beat the number two team, Alberta, uh, last week on the road. Saskatchewan comes into third place. It's a big weekend, and it's really good hockey. I'm telling you, people don't know. If they haven't seen it, come on out, because women's hockey has really evolved over the last 20 years. And, you know, Haley Wick and I used to play in this league, and uh, uh, we're the best team in the country right now. Come watch the best play in women's hockey. So you've got the Jets are in
1: first place in the central division division yep. of the NHL. You've got the Moose in the first place in the American Hockey League division, and the women's Bison hockey team is in first place. And the
10: team that's not at home this week in Bison men's hockey, they just got ranked number nine as they beat the number one team in the country, Alberta, last week at home. So a lot of winning going on on the uh, ice, uh, and uh, it's really exciting for, for Bison, both hockey programs, as uh, they're really making a push, not only for the playoffs, but to try and uh, you know, get to the Nationals and maybe win a national championship.
0: So great things happen on the team level for the Bisons but as well uh, on an individual athlete as uh, Manitoba Bison has been named the female athlete of the week.
10: Nicole Connectiony. that's, I like to butcher names over 14 years, somehow I can get her name right. (laughs) Nicole Connectiony, she not only was the Canada West female athlete of the week, she was the U sports female athlete of the week, only the second time this year for Bison sports on the female end Uh, only what she did is uh, she had 55 points over a week in last. Last week against oh, Lethbridge, that's it? but here's the bigger one. Sorry, how She's, many points? She scored 41 alone in one game. Uh, that tied a Bison record that was a sixth most in the conference history. Here's the other one she went 16 for 19 from the field. That's 84%. My, math is pretty good. I here. was
1: waiting for you to say from the free-throw
10: line. No, she did no. that from the field? Six for six alone from the three-point line. She was on oh, fire. I, I think, you know when one of those, oh, back in the day when they were saying nothing but net, you know, it was Bird and Jordan? Like, I think she shot a couple from the stands they went in. It was crazy <laughs> how Nicole <laughs> was right. doing that. You know, Connection, he was just on. <laughs> she was connecting all day, and it was a big win for them. And Bison women's uh, basketball, they're eight and six now. they first time they've been that high uh, past 500 in 11 seasons. So they're on a roll. They're uh, uh, aiming for a playoff spot. Same with the men's basketball team. And then uh, so for the Super Saturday and we got women's volleyball pa- competing for a, a playoff spot and the men's team ranked number nine in the country. They beat number two last week UBC. So a lot of winning going on right now at the U of M campus. Uh,
1: basketball always kind of been a struggle. Men's and women's. Kirby Shep, the uh, head coach, got the Bisons in the playoffs last year and to the national That's right. championship tournament last year, so some unprecedented success in a long time for the Bison men, but volleyball has always been uh, a, a big thing at Manitoba, at the University of Manitoba, and that Investors at Group Athletic Centre, if you weren't there for the 4A Provincial wow. High no. School Tournament, if you weren't there for the uh, Canada Games Final between uh, Manitoba and Alberta Electric. on the women's side, this is one of the premier volleyball venues in the country. You can put how many people in or over
10: 2,500? 3,000. Uh, 3, there you go. And, 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 and we else. had a final for last year where Canada West men's volleyball. The top four teams in the country who packed it out both nights. Uh, the community really supports volleyball. Garth Pishke, you know, uh, Mr. Volleyball. He he's been around thirty five plus years. I don't want to age him, but you know, I think he started when he was five. Ken Bentley's in his thirtieth season with the women's volleyball team. Unreal. You got a lot of experience there. A lot of winning. They've won national championships all over the place. Uh, and and these both these teams, I think, are aiming. They're a little bit, uh, you know, they're uh, they've had a little bit of a tougher season this year, but they always find a way to make the playoffs. And they, you get in the playoffs, everyone knows this. Get in the playoffs, you got you can do something big there. And, and Bison men's and women's volleyball team are tracking the right direction this year again.
0: Now, Chris, there is also something uh, you wanted to talk about—a hockey fundraiser sure. at the Cinnabon Park Conservancy. What's going on? You there? You know
10: what? That's a that's a unique one. It's an annual Bison hockey uh, fundraiser event. They've usually had it at a different venue, but this year, you know, it's a great uh, if you ever. Been into the exhibit. They got the polar bears they floating around you there and they, they have the the dinner uh, aspect there and uh, so what they're going to do is it's $175 for an uh, individual person to come on all the money goes to support both the hockey programs at the, at the Bisons. And Kelly McCrimmon is going to be a special guest nice. uh, appearance there. He's the uh, assistant GM for the Vegas Golden Knights, who, you know, they're <laughs> they're doing pretty good this year. Yeah the, the, yeah, the Jets are actually chasing them in the standings, which, which, which is kind of crazy, right? but but also, you know, big in the communities but with the brand Brandon Weekings forever. And then we're also uh, announcing uh, two uh, a Bison alum are going to the Hockey Hall of Fame, Bob Lowe's on the men's side and Caitlin McDonald on the women's side. It's a big event. It's a it's a great time to kind of celebrate both programs and obviously uh, give money to the scholarships for those programs uh, as they keep on going and keep on winning the season.
1: Now, Just to be clear, this is happening right in the Journey to Churchill exhibit, not in the Bison enclosure. That That is correct. That's right.
10: <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, that'd be a, bit, a little bit tougher. It's going to go on Wednesday, <laughs> January 31st. All the, de- t- all the details on our uh, Bison website on gobisons.ca. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, we want to keep the people uh, available so they can come to the next dinner next year so <laughs> you don't want it's, to be better, one it's done? better if they just watch the polar birds instead of you know <laughs> compete against the Bisons but it's a great event and uh, we want hopefully a lot of people uh, to come out to the Bison hockey fundraiser event and that all the details like I said on gobisons.ca
0: Chris Zook is the sports information officer for I the sure University am. of Manitoba as long as they
10: keep paying me I'll still be it
0: <laughs> I love the passion that you bring to I what try. you do Chris thank you so much for bringing your to our radio station this well, is a
10: well there you go faces to the name i do exist in person and and i'm glad i'm glad to get here uh, in the studio and i always appreciate cgb being a big supporter of bison sports in the u of m thanks
9: ready, Thank ready, 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 ready to
1: run. Ah, for the second last time of the week behind the glass jerry with the perfect music to bring us in hope you're having a great start to your weekend yeah, I know, it's, it's Friday, but you can see the weekend from here. Mackling and McGarry, we can certainly see our weekend. We're about 24 and a half minutes away from calling it a week, and uh, Brett's been a good week. Uh, this will be a fun way to wrap things up.
0: That's right. We want to talk right now about Celebrations Dinner Theatre, premiering a new production tomorrow, Runaway Bridemaids. Is it bridesmaids or bridesmaids? Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Pardon me, <laughs> I, I can't read. Right. <laughs> Runaway bridesmaids. Well, runs-
1: sometimes you're not sure where the plural should go. It's I like know, uh, it's- in the in the playoffs. Is it games seven when they're talking about more than one game seven or uh. game sevens? Anyway, so we've got it. We've got it straight now. Runaway bridesmaids at yeah. celebration <laughs> dinner, a theater, and uh, well, here's the pitch. Join four of the
0: wackiest bridesmaids on their quest
1: to find Mr. Right.
0: To tell us more, Randy Apostle is here. He is Celebration's Artistic Director and director of the show. Randy, good morning. Nice good morning, to meet
1: you. Good morning, guys.
0: Thanks for having me. So this is your first show, Randy. <laughs> uh,
1: this
2: is quite the, uh, quite the way to kick things off. No, no. Uh, how long have you been doing this, and how many shows is it? It's been about 25 years, and it's about this is about the 140th show I've done here. My word. Uh, i got to get it right one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: uh, hey, you keep trying, and that's really what it's all about. Uh, tell us a little bit about this production, because uh, typically you're you're spoofing on... Uh, either a TV show or a movie from popular culture Uh, sometimes it's an amalgamation of two what's the situation here give us give us the synopsis
2: right yeah well this time it's always fun to play with pop culture and and things that are of interest to our our audiences so this time uh, the runaway bridesmaids it's uh, we're dealing with the bridesmaids characters who It was so much fun with those ladies that the the film created, those characters. So we thought it would be fun to see what we could do with them. So this time we take them down to Mexico where there's a great deal for brides and their parties to come down and get a cheaper deal. Of course, they're not getting married and nobody, there's no grooms involved. So they're trying to scam the hotel and we see how they can get away with that. (laughs) So how many songs are in this show? Uh, there's about 21. There's uh, six songs per act and then a medley at the end to, uh, you know, just in case you didn't get enough. <laughs> so as far as an
0: artist, I mean, I I know that I have a, a hard time remembering things. How do you manage to cram that much information into your brain and then execute it in front of a live audience in a flawless fashion?
2: <laughs> well, flawless might be questionable, but uh, <laughs> I think it's a, to the team. I've been very lucky for for. Really, most of these years, I've had the same production team, the same uh, musical director, uh, producer, and lighting technicians, and designers, and sets. So you trust all your departments to do what they do, and then you try to bring in the best talent you can find, and away you go. And uh, it's, it's fun to play with things that people are familiar with. So you've already kind of got a head start when people come in, if they've seen the film, and they know those characters. Well, they're kind of already on page with you, and away you go.
1: You know, uh, there's been some uh, on my social media feed, some clamoring uh, to bring back a piano bar to Winnipeg. And uh, uh, my wife and I, before we got married, uh, did a road trip to Milwaukee and Chicago years ago. And there's a great piano bar in Milwaukee where you go, and it only holds about 80 people. But by the time one o'clock in the morning rolls around, the party's just getting started. Uh And the big thing about a piano bar is audience participation. It's mandatory, right? Otherwise, it doesn't work. Well, there's a huge component of that in
2: celebrations dinner theater yeah it's always been that way we try to immerse the audience in it's uh, as soon as you come through the doors the, the each time the entire room is painted uh in murals of of where our next location is so this time it's mexico so it's a lovely lush green for all of us in winter here to uh, have a little shot of mexico and then all our servers are also in character so they are all coming to your table not as themselves but in character that would be at the at the location that the show's in and then uh, during the acts themselves we try to include audience members whether it be coming up to dance in one of the songs with us or playing a character or or sometimes we give them lines and hope for the best <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and so you don't serve alcohol at all at these shows, right? To, uh, no, that's, that's kind of demand. mandatory oh, you
2: have okay. to... <laughs> I wasn't sure <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I mean, yeah, I mean, that's one of the differences I guess but for those who have never been to dinner theatre, I mean I know it's right in the name, Dinner Theatre, but how does dinner theater separate itself from a typical go and sit in an auditorium kind of experience?
2: Oh, good question. Uh, and actually, our dinner theater is a little bit different than your typical dinner theater, where you would go in and and eat as much as possible and try to stay awake for the show. Uh, with ours, we split up the service, uh, and the, and you don't go to a buffet. We bring the the. the it's table service. So you come in and you have your soup and salad, and then uh, you watch the first act. Then you have your entree and watch the second act. Then you have your dessert and watch the third act. So it's kind of spread out toward, you know, all through the evening. So there's lots of breaks and there's time for people to visit and and enjoy the food. So it's, and it doesn't feel like you're just trying to stay awake for the rest of the show.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's probably good.
2: Can you, are people eating during the show or is it? No, there... they're, Pretty much, when the lights go down, everyone's done. I guess there's a few slow eaters, but yeah, we try to give everybody plenty of time.
1: This seems like such a big city concept, and I know. Uh, we're uh, our own worst critics with, with things like this. We had the Ice Castle folks in earlier, and I, I mentioned that quite often the, the mark of something being successful and popular in Winnipeg is when people look around and look at one another and say, boy, I don't even feel like I'm in Winnipeg. And that's a kind of a shot at ourselves, but it also uh, gives people a real sense of, of how people are enjoying this. I mean, you're on 140 productions that go like a month at a time or more. Ten weeks, yeah. You know, so we're—, we're this is obviously very popular here. It's been here. going well. You're, you're not playing to empty houses.
2: <laughs> no, hopefully not. <laughs> and we have two others. We have sister theaters. We have one in Edmonton in the West Edmonton Mall, and we have another one in Calgary. So, yeah, the concept is, is one that does work. And it's it's. I think it's, again, the, by using the audience participation, people become part of the show. And there's nothing funnier than seeing someone from your own table up there playing around or trying to sing or we'll put a nice wig on them so they look nice. <laughs> what
0: about if somebody maybe has or thinks they have a, a talent for this and wants to try their hand? How do they get involved?
2: Uh, well, I do auditions in all three cities and it's all Canadian cast. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. I've had some of our our talent has been with me for 25 years too from you know from the first shows and still working with me now it's uh, it's it's wonderful and it's a fun job and uh, but it's work it's work it's a different kind of job as we all know with the showbiz they, they live in the evenings in a way they go but the energy it takes each night to uh, to immerse yourself and bring your audience with you it's performers are, are wonderful
1: i mean and the, and the stage is very big I yeah. mean, for, for the setting that it's in, it almost takes up half the room. It's, it's huge.
2: It's a, uh, and we have three. We use uh, one main stage and then two satellite stages, so we end up with uh, three different locations. And sometimes it's uh, the, the revolves and stuff. So watching the sets evolve over the years has been very cool, too, of, of uh, the bigger and, and better we have hopefully have gotten. So your career in this began, I
0: think you said, 25 years ago. Uh, has, has it always been based out of Winnipeg
2: for you? Uh, yeah, with the shows have always started in Winnipeg, and and then moved on to the other cities. Uh, the f- concept first started in uh, Regina, in Saskatchewan. Actually, uh, I'm a Moose Jaw boy, so I was close.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just as I was starting to like you, Randy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Someone's got to be. So it started
0: in Regina, and you say all the shows start here, and then you go out to Edmonton and Calgary,
2: is that That's right. So they do 10 weeks in each city. So they begin here, and then they rotate out there. So for the cast, if they do the entire run, it's like a nine-month gig. So do you have to go with them then? For I go out to uh, open the shows in the other cities, and uh, then come back and start on the next one. Wow. (laughs) It
1: sounds like a fascinating life. And uh, for those that have never been, uh, also uh, maybe... Where are you? Might be a really good question to We're ask at the, and answer.
2: Tenadens, Fort Carey, uh, on Pemina Highway. It's uh, the room they actually the the uh, hotel built for us when they did their renovations uh, quite a few years ago now. But uh, yeah, it's a lovely big room. It'll hold five hundred uh, at Christmas time. So when people come in with their big parties, so it's a uh, it's a yeah. lovely space. What? Should, how should somebody dress? when they if they uh, go to the theater ah well it's very casual it's so we totally up to the we don't have a, a dress code because we try to be family oriented too like it's all the shows are are good for everybody so we don't put a dress code on it whatever you feel good in and want to be there in. Okay, Randy Apostle,
0: new show debuting tomorrow, Runaway Bridesmaids, and it's on until March 17th. Join four of the wackiest bridesmaids on their quest to find Mr. Right as they run away to Mexico. And
1: I saw the music list here, Randy. It's spectacular, so there's a little bit of everything for everyone. Thanks for doing this. Great to finally meet
0: you. Thank you, guys. Great. 9.45 on 680 CJOB. Once again, our guest, Randy Apostle, celebrations, artistic director and director of the show, Runaway Bridesmaids. Thanks to Behind the Glass Jerry, Chandelier Vidal. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thank you for listening to 680 CJOB. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts,
3: Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.